Blog Talk Radio. Poetry lovers, those who write, those who just enjoy the show, thank you for being here. <clears throat> I just sent out a message to everyone on Facebook that was attending the show tonight. Uh, we will be featuring author Rick Lachey, Mitchell Scott. She has a lot of interesting work that she's going to share with us, as well as her remission of cancer and as well as her ministry. Got to excuse my voice tonight. I'm still recovering from the weekend where I was just screaming and doing all types of stuff for my kids, but I'm going to get this for We have an hour. <laughs> Hello, co-host. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm good. How you doing? I'm well as expected. You ready to get this show on? I'm ready. Let's get it started. That's what's up. And we have an hour and 26 minutes on the show. The interview will last for about maybe 40, 45 minutes, and we will open up the lines if you want to talk to um, Ms. Lachey. If you have any questions, go ahead. Um, I believe she is a North Carolina native, so I'm looking at this number. I'm thinking this is her. We're going to go ahead and pull her in and get this interview going. Okay, so I have 919. Is this author Ms. Lachey? Hi, good evening. Or, hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> How are Your you? Your Highness, how are you? I'm wonderful, Miss China. 
How you, you doing? You sound wonderful. You sound excited. I'm glad. I'm up. I'm pumped. I'm like, okay, it's past my bedtime, but <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited. Thank you all, first of all, for having me on the show. I just, um, it was a surprise, but I, you know, I'm, I'm honored more than anything, you know, to be able to be on and talk to you all. So I'm ready when you are. Yeah, I'm Briefly, I'm gonna go through your bio, and we're gonna go ahead and start on the interview. Okay, Ms. Lachey is a minister, author, publisher, inspirational speaker, spoken word artist, and a survivor of many trials. Lachey J. Mitchell Scott is married with three beautiful daughters. Her greatest love is serving the kingdom of God and feeling her passion to edify the people of God. Second, she loves writing and helping people who have a vision to bring their literary goals into fruition. She has three published books and is a strong advocate of those who have been affected by cancer no matter what the face. Wow. Just by reading that, I'm all ready to ask questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. All right. Tell us a little oh, we bit say about your name right. Say your name right, because I promise you, I it's promise you from right. the day that we became <laughs> friends, and I've been calling you Laisha, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lachey. Okay, so Lachey is correct. Please don't ask me why. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I've been getting it all my life. I've been called many different things. Um, so Lachey is correct. I know how you feel. <laughs> Ha <laughs> Okay. Well, the poets have got it right. It, okay. Now, um, Good my job, first question is, yeah. that's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. My oh, first man. question for you would be, um, just give us a little information about who is the author of this day. Um, well, I guess you said it all in a nutshell. First and foremost, I love serving the kingdom of God, the people of God. Um, I am a seven-year birth parent breast cancer survivor as of this month, October. Um, I was diagnosed at age 32 um, with stage 1 breast cancer invasive carcinoma, and that was in 2003. Um, I had a history of breast cancer on my mother's side, so there was always that chance or, you know, that I would be the one to get the disease next. But, you know, because of our insurance companies and different things and different places, they don't want to give mammograms to women who are under 40, regardless of your color, even though we are, African Americans are more, are affected more because more African Americans actually die from the disease instead of our counterparts. So even with that being said, no one wanted to give me a mammogram, and I kind of had to fight for it. I had to advocate for myself. And Eventually, I did find a lump in my left breast, and when I found the lump in my left breast, at first I ignored it because I was like, well, you know, I I don't really know if it's a lump or or exactly what it is. So I kind of waited it out. I talked to some people, talked to my pastor, and talked to some friends of mine and, you know, decided to wait it out just a little bit because I know how doctors do. You know, they'll try to diagnose you by looking at you and tell you what they think it is. And I said, I'm going to dispel every myth that they have. So I waited five months before I checked my breast again and found that the lump was still there. And I could grab it with my four fingers of my right hand, and I would just cross over, and I, I felt that it didn't hurt or anything. But at the same time, I knew at that point I needed to get it checked out, which I did do that. So. September of 2003, I went in for, um, went into my OBGYN, 
I let her know what my fears were. She told me, well, you know, not to worry about it. Let her let her worry about whether or not it was cancer. I let her do the breast check. She was alarmed because of the size that she felt. And she rushed me over to for an ultrasound, which I had that done the same day. Same day, technicians looked at me, and they knew I was looking for answers, but they were like, you know, well, there's something here, but we, we can't really say if it's a tumor or if it's if a malignant tumor or a benign tumor. So we need to send you back to your OBGYN. So think of me as, you know, my thoughts as a 32-year-old, young, healthy, otherwise healthy black woman, you know, going through this. And I'm like, okay, now this probably could have been presented because of my thoughts are going back to all those times I practically begged for a mammogram or begged for some type of a test that was, that was more um, – definitive than just a self-breath or hand check of a breath. So I did right. that. I went back and um, went back to the OBGYN. She didn't even really talk to me that much. She was just like, well, this is what we need to do. So she rushed me on to another surgeon. So I was being shuffled from doctor's office to doctor's office to see what was going on to see if I had cancer. Now, of course, the surgeon, he diagnosed me before I even had the surgery. He was like, well, I'm on the phone. Bye. So. So anyway, sorry about that. So <laughs> as, I was, as I was my four-year-old, I'm like, I'm like, get your sister. Thank you. So anyway, when I um I went in to have this, the the biopsy done, the doctor he had already kind of like already diagnosed me. Like, okay, well we're just 95% sure that it's malignant. We're just going to go ahead and do the biopsy where we're going to take a small piece out. Okay, so I, I agreed to all of that because I was like, I'm scared. I want to live. I'm only 32 years old. You know, my kids are young, so my thoughts are just all over the place. So I had the biopsy done a week later, and three days after that, on a Friday, I got the phone call that it was malignant for cancer. So at that point, um, I began to be shuffled back and forth between doctors again. I had to have another surgery, which during that surgery, I actually woke up while they were stitching me up or cutting up. Wow. Wow. And that was, like, the scariest thing in the world, And and I testified about this last night that I never realized that when you're when they put you under anesthesia it was my first time ever that they tie you down. I mean they they you on lockdown. <laughs> and I guess it's because if you wake up like I do, might wake I up hurt. right. Yeah, you know I can't I can't kill nobody because I'm like okay, but I felt the, <laughs> the pain. You know I'm stitching me up and I'm thinking and I felt the needle going in and I'm like I you know and I'm trying to oh. tell them something. Oh, well. I'm, you know my mouth isn't moving but I'm you know and the nurse knew when I started to move and fidget on the table, and I heard her say she's waking up, and the next thing I knew, I was out again. So, of course, they had given me more medicine, but I always remember to tell them I had seven surgeries in total within a a time time frame of nine months I had seven surgeries. And each time after that first one, I told them if I wake up uh, again that I'm suing the whole (laughs) I'm suing everybody, and I'm going to shut it down. I'm just telling you because I'm not playing. You know, I'm like, I'm not playing. It hurts and, you know, everything. So I did. I had to go through six sessions of, of chemotherapy. I went through the six sessions of chemotherapy. Of course, I was bald. I looked like, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how low my self-esteem had dropped because I was bald. I had hair down almost to, to, to the, the the end of my back, touching my behind. That's how long of how, how long my hair was back then, and for me to have to lose all of it, 
it was it was kind of it was disheartening to me. You know, my kids were looking at me like, "What's wrong with mommy?" You know, "What's wrong with her?" And I couldn't really do anything for them because I was being cut on. I had underarms cut, lymph nodes cut, so that means all my nerves on the left side were damaged. Um, on the right side, I had to have chemotherapy in my veins so that it dried up every vein I had on the on the right side. So even today, I when I go to the doctor to get any type of testing, they can't use any veins because I don't have anything left. So therefore, they're still dried up as turnips. And they say, well, it'll, it'll, they'll replenish themselves. My veins never did. And so when I went through the, that process, I mean, it, it was a hard process to go through, but I drew closer to God during that storm. And I, you know, and I had faith and I continued to work in the ministry. You know, I continued to try to be a mother to my kids. And at some point, the, the the drama or the, the the storm was seemingly over, and after January of 2004, I was you know cancer free. I was supposedly with a clean bill of health, had gone into remission. I didn't have to have radiation therapy because they were said that you know they caught the cancer early. You know, good job. You know, you took care of your body and all this that and the other. Not even six months later, I had to have a. Um, they actually still ended up taking my left breast. I lost it. The only thing is they they were afraid that I had cancer, but when they actually, when I finally got it in my mindset that I was going to lose a breast, they took my breast and they did a biopsy on my breast. There was no cancer in it. I was very sad, <laughs> needless to say, upset, mad, whatever. I was just not happy, and I'm like, okay, I lost the breast for nothing because you people, you know, who think you're supposed to know so much, you know, you're supposed to know everything. Oh, you, wow. you took my breast, and there's nothing in there. There's nothing there. There's no cancer. So I had to live with that and the fact that I was looking like a hot mess. I was very heavy-chested at the time before all this happened. I was always heavy-chested all my life. And then I was like, there's no way in the world people are not going to know something's different about me because – I'm heavy-chested, and I have nothing on the left side, period, nothing there. And I was like, they were like, well, you know, you can get the reconstructive surgery. So they told me about all the different types of reconstructive surgery. I could have gotten a prosthesis. I could have gotten the saline or the gel implants. And I was like, I don't want anything foreign in my body. I'm already trying to get rid of one demon. Why do I want you to put something else in my body? I don't even know what it is. So I told them, no, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I don't want you to put anything in my body. I just want what God gave me. I want I want it back. I want back what he gave me. And they were like, well, you know, Ms. Mitchell, what we can do is we can do a tramplant surgery. I don't know if you all have ever heard of that. But it's a surgery where it's like a tummy tuck and a reconstructive breast all in one. So that's hmm. what I opted for against everybody's wishes because Actually, I was risking my life having that surgery all because I was wondering, you know, would my husband look at me the same? Would he still feel the same way about me? Would he look at me and be like, ugh? You know, because I was looking at myself and I was like, ugh. So I'm thinking, if I'm thinking that, of course he's going to think it too. And so I had the surgery. It was an eight-hour surgery, very um, dangerous surgery, but that's just where I was at at the time. I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm walking around at 32 years old, you know, with one breast or wearing a prosthesis or, you know, any of that nonsense. So I told them to do the surgery. So I still have a big smiley face from hip to hip where they slice me open and they cut um, the blood supply in my stomach. And what they did is they took a muscle out of the right side of my, the, out of my right side and they toned it up under my chest 
to bring the blood supply so that when they made the mound of the breast from my stomach, that it would not die. So that was an eight-hour surgery. Any questions? I have um, when you were talking about when you were going through all the different changes of them, having you going back and forth to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I know you landed on God, but besides God, did you have any other support system that you were able to go to? Um, the only support system that I accepted at the time was a, a few people from my church. My mom, you know, I had my, my immediate family. I had my in-laws as a support system, but they wanted me to go outside of that. And there's a group called Sisters Network. I'm not sure if you all have ever heard it. It's the only African-American um, network or community of breast cancer, of African-American breast cancer survivors that have that are now locally all over the world. They have different chapters in each state, but they wanted me to go to them, and I felt like I would be going to an NA meeting or an AA meeting, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not an addict, and I don't want to sit around talking about I lost my breath, and I don't want to sit around talking about, you know, I'm bald and I'm ugly and I'm looking just like them. You know, I said, I don't want to do that. So I rejected all of that, and I kind of just isolated myself, and I just I just felt like they don't understand. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it'll be okay. And then, you know, of course, everybody was throwing Bible scriptures at me and all the stuff I already knew. But I'm, I was really upset. I was like, you don't get it. This is me. This is my body. This is my life we're talking about. And there's no way that, you know, I know what God's word says. I'm a firm believer. I'm, I serve them. So, and I'm teaching other people about them. But this is this is my life. There's no way that you can sit here and we can continue to throw scriptures at someone when they're going through this type of a, this type of a storm. In the beginning, yes, yes. it you know, in the beginning it helps. It's like, oh, thank you, praise God, and. And I'm, I'm believing with you, and, and, and I know I'm going to beat this thing. But when you have continuously been beaten by the storm, there's no way in the world you can, you're can still going to be like, oh, yeah, praise God, hallelujah, and everything else. Because I had gotten to that low point. I had gotten there when when I was diagnosed, and that's when I was coming to us. I had, re, I had healed from the, the surgery that I had, which, by the way, is when they cut into your stomach, they cut all of the nerves. So even to this day, seven years later, I have no feeling in my whole midsection. Mm, mm. If I have an itch, I can't scratch it. If I if I oh if I'm hurting, I can't do anything about it because if I touch the skin, it actually is like a it's like someone stabbing or cutting the skin, but there's no release. So I I just have to deal with it, and I just pray really hard that the itch will go away or whatever it is. But I had all that. Um, to say all that, I did all of that. But to find out two months later, right after the surgery, that the cancer had come back and had spread. Hmm. So I, at that point, I didn't want to hear anything anybody had to say. You can call me. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> you know, you can come by and see me, and I'm laying in the hospital again. And I'm like, okay, God, now I, I don't know what, what you're trying to get me to get out of this one because, you know, we done done this, been there, done that. I'm trying to figure out how come is it that other people go through the same trial, they go through their treatments, they do what they're told to do, and bam, everything is well. You know, they're just moving on, you know, through life. It was just something. But for me, I said, the enemy is really trying to take me out of here. I'm like, I don't understand. And I was scared because once the once any type of cancer leaves 
the, if it gets into the lymph node, the lymphatic system, it can spread anywhere. There is no containing it. And it was all in my chest wall cavity. It has started to spread up into my chest, and I'm like, God, I, you know, I don't know what to say at this point. I mean, I'm thinking I'm giving up. I see why people give up. I see why people don't want to live. I see why they don't want to do chemotherapy. I was mad at the doctors. I was mad at everybody because I said, you told me these drugs would work. You cut my breast wow. off. I didn't have cancer. But now all of a sudden I have cancer again. Please help me. Help me. Somebody need to help me. You know, I'm like, help me with this. You know, so I went through that camp, that the whole the whole scenario all over again. Had to have a portacast put in my chest, which I'm still wearing. And when I wear different shirts, people are like, well, what is that? Okay, remember, you know, I had cancer, so I, I'm wearing, I'm keeping this one because the first time I, I finished treatment, I had the, the other portacast taken out of my chest because they were saying, well, you know, you're in remission, so you don't need it anymore. And I went on that. But then when the cancer came back. I still didn't have any veins to use, and, you know, uh, chemotherapy is poison. It's acid, and, it, I mean, it burns and eats up your skin. It eats up, your, it eats up everything. You lose your hair. You turn colors. Your nails turn black. <laughs> like I mean, all the way down to oh, the You lose your eyebrows, your eyelashes, lose your pubic hair. You lose your <laughs> hair on your toes, any type of hair that you've had. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't understand, and it makes you sick. Vomiting, you know, um, restlessness, the um, the pain in your body. I mean, it it I mean, it really does contain cancer, but it's killing your heart. It damages your kidneys. I mean, it damages your liver. So it's like, what am I really doing here? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm taking it to live now. I'm sorry. It's basically you find that it's, it's helping it, but then it's making other things go possibly be at risk, like your other organs. Exactly, and and then I, and so I had to start to do a lot of research, and I realized that you know what, that's it's just like that with any type of any type of medication, any type of drug. Side effects are to everything. So I still did it. You know, I said I wasn't going to do it, and people kept telling me, oh please do it, just go ahead and go through the chemotherapy again. And this time they suggested radiation and not, so I had this, I had another surgery, and the doctor, you know, he told my husband, he said, well, I dug down as much as I could. So he had dug down under my left arm into my, down into my side, had dug out everything he could, everything he thought that looked like cancer, every lymph node he thought that had cancer in it, because you can tell one, one that has cancer. I mean, you can feel it, and it and it looks different. It just looks sick. So he took everything out and told him, he was like, you know, I think I got it all, but, you know, I, I, I can't do anything else is what he said. And when I heard the report, I was like, well, what does he mean he can't do nothing else? I'm just going to die now? You know, what? I don't understand. They don't have nothing for me. <laughs> I was tripping, you know, and he was right. like, calm down, calm down. No, there is no calming down from this. That's just like telling me I can't do nothing else for you. Like they tell a lot of patients, and you just going to die. We'll do what we can, make you comfortable, whatever. <laughs> I was like, no. And, you know, I can't go out like that. So I started again, treatments and everything. My hair had started growing back, had a nice head of hair. It was gone again. I said, I'm done. I'm just, like, totally done. This is not, I can't do this anymore. And then my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter, she was 10 then. She was getting sick, and I didn't even realize that she was getting sick. And, of course, I blame myself. I still blame myself. It's 2010, and she's a six-year cancer survivor. 
as of this month, and I blame myself because I was like I was so wrapped up in my illness that I didn't even realize she was getting sick. So, I mean, it's just a lot that goes with it, fighting for her life, fighting for my life. I'll give my life for her life. I'm like, God, I bargain with you right now. You know, Satan ain't nothing but a punk anyway because he couldn't get to me. He couldn't make me stop serving you. He couldn't make me stop, you know, ministering to the youth or anything. I said, so then he had to go through my seed. You know, that that's the punk. That's just the way I feel about it. And I still, to this day, stand on it that Satan ain't nothing but a punk because he can't, he can't fight fair. He has to always try to take a back road or a back door. So mm-hmm. while I went through that tre- treatment again, I had to move into the hospital with her. And praise God, we live in, in Durham, North Carolina, where Duke is one of the best um, hematology, oncology you know, systems in this whole world because so many people were coming from different countries and everything, and I had to sit there in the hospital and say, God, I thank you because we're right down the street from you, ten minutes away. Mm-hmm. We're right here at the best, one of the best hospitals ever for for children's um, for children's cancer, and you know, we I moved into the hospital with her, and I was neglecting myself then because I felt so bad because that she was near death, and the doctor said. If you waited a, a two more days to a week, then she would have died in her sleep. Can you imagine? Oh yeah, can you imagine? I was like, God, no. you know, I would never be, I would never forgive myself. I was like, so what in the world is going on with my child? And they were like, oh, she has MS because she's presenting. They looked at her and diagnosed her, and I had already been through enough on my own. I said, the devil is a lie. You're gonna do some tests on this child and see what's going on with her, because she don't have no MS. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That's straight from hell. So I told them that ain't what it is, and you're going to find out what it is, or we're going to just sit here. We'll be here until y'all figure it out. So they admitted her, and um, come to find out that she had, she did have cancer. They said 95% chance she has cancer. She has a mass the size of a grapefruit in her chest. I'm like, God, I, I don't know. Okay, I can't tell you. I said, I don't even know what you expect me to do with that news. She already was going blind. She had she could she could barely walk. She had lost like twenty five pounds in two weeks. It was like she could barely breathe and you know, and I'm sitting up here like, You're telling me that my child, you know, you don't want to operate on my child because you're afraid that the anesthesia itself is gonna kill her. I can't handle that. You know, and I'm crying out to God and I'm just I'm just and you know, some of the doctors were so cool and they were just like cold and I know they do this all the time, but I'm like, This is a child. And he looked at me, and he couldn't even tell that I had cancer. And I'm just as bald as a, a newborn baby. And my pastor had to come down the hall because I was going to go off on him. I'm like, I don't care. I put it all down right now because I need to talk to him in a way that he understands. She said, I put it all down. <laughs> I put it all down. Let's <laughs> go put it down. Because you know how we do. That, that Those are our babies. We ain't, you, know, you might want to mess up with me, but you ain't messing up with my kid. So, yeah, I know that's right. You know, so I had to go there. And she looked at the doctor, and she told him, she said she she had to stop him because he was saying, well, you know, well, I said, why can't you just remove it? He was like, because it's too big and it'll and it'll probably kill her anyway. And I just stopped off down the hall. I had lost it. And I was oh, like, wow. I can't hear nothing else that nobody else say because I'm telling you right now. I mean, I I was no good. And she looked at me that one time and she said, Mommy, do I have cancer? And I I couldn't even answer her. And then she said, Am I gonna die? She was ten years old after she said that. She didn't speak again for the, for about another three and a half weeks. Not a word through ICU that she that she they they had to bring her back because she did stop breathing during during her surgery. They had to bring her back and put her on ICU because 
her because her lungs were nearly crushed with because of the size of the mass, and they could only take out a little piece to biopsy it because they don't like to, you know, do surgery up around the chest area where the lungs and the heart is. So she had stage 3B Hodgkin's lymphoma and perineoplastic syndrome. And what perineoplastic syndrome is where the mass was so big, where it was pressing up against the back of her spine and and the back of her brain stem, and it was knocking all of her, you know, all of her cognitive skills and everything was knocked off. So she just didn't have anything. She, the brain wasn't working to say walk or open your eyes and look or talk. She couldn't do anything. So we were... <laughs> We were just going through. I mean, it's just, it just, you know, the silent storm just got, it just kept raging and it kept raging and it kept raging. And when the doctor said, well, you know cancer is a silent killer, that's when God gave me the title for the book to write. And at that time, I wasn't trying to write nothing. I wasn't trying to hear nothing. I just need to see, was my child going to live or die? And then at that point, was I going to jump in after her or what or what was going to happen? So she went through her ICU and, um, Came out a few days later. They gave her two two doses back to back of chemotherapy. It was the first time they try to always give new cancer patients um, a double dose that first time so that the body can acclimate to the treatment. But of course, it made her so sick that we almost lost her again. And I had to fight again for her. And she was in ICU again. She had a seizure. She um, she kind of flatlined and. I was like, I, you know, and I'm watching all this, and I'm like, I, you know, I, I already know I should be crazy and locked up in somebody's nut house because all the stuff I've seen and have endured dealing with her and myself, I'm like, it's, it's just no way. I just, <laughs> I know it's God. So she had to go to ICU again. She almost died in there again. And I was like, you know what, God, it's got to be something. You know, it's got to be something in this because she's 10 years old, and granted, I had never seen so many sick babies in my life. And I just said, God, you know what, I just thank you. You know, I had to thank him because I still had one daughter who was perfectly healthy. And, you know, she was feeling a whole bunch of different kind of ways, too, because she said, well, Mommy, if you would have died, then I was never going to, she said, I was never going to pray to God again, and I was going to turn my back on him, and I wasn't going to serve him. And she was just going through all those emotions that she had felt, and she began acting out. And, you know, then her sister, she said, and then God tried to take both of y'all. I said, it's not God. I said, he allowed it to be. I said, but what you have to understand is that sickness does not come from God. You know, sickness does not come from him, but he allows some things to happen in our lives because he's trying to bring us up in him. I said, every 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 sickness is not a death sentence. I said, and he told us in that, that this is just a season of testing and to rest in him and to trust in him because he already knew the outcome. Yeah. Go through the, you know. Well, so, um, say we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to touch back on the topic of the remission. And we also want to go ahead and step into how you started writing and about the silent poetry want to get into that as well. So we're going to be right back. We're going to take a break. You are amazing women. Oh, my God. Wow. I can't stay away from you too long. Even if I do, I'll always fall. Checking on you, make sure you're okay Be the one to brighten 
Was there any one thing that brought you back, that kept you on that thin line? Um, the, okay, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Yes. When you stated throughout the ordeal of the cancer that you were going through and then when you found out about your daughter and you kept saying that you were just about to give up, you were about to throw up your hands and so on, what was the one thing that kept you afloat? Okay. The thing that kept me afloat is I want to say my kids. Um, like I said, I have I had two children at the time, Ron Shea and Jasmine, and I would like to say that they were the ones, so I can say that on the surface that they're the reason why I'm still here. But even in that, I truly believe that when there's a real, when there's a connection, a genuine connection with God, even when you want to give up, you realize you can't give up. Because it's just like if I give up on God, then truly I can't trust anyone else, and he never gave up on me. So I had to trust him. And even in when I was, when I was at my weakest, at my tiredest, most frustrated, even when I was angry, there was something on the inside of me that, that the Holy Spirit just would not allow me to give up. Even when I was, even when I was declaring and decreeing that I was giving up, God said, I didn't put that in you. I didn't put that give up spirit in you. And, I, and giving up is not an option for you. It may be for somebody else, but it's not for you. All right, ma'am. I heard that. Amen. Yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you, how is, how is your daughter doing right now? Russ, my daughter, she's um, just turned 16 in July. She is doing very well. She is actually um, any 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 year, every year over five years, they say that there's a cure rate for Hodgkin's lymphoma because Hodgkin's lymphoma can be cured. Now we don't have a, a cure yet to breast cancer, as, as everybody knows, but she is considered cured and she is blessed. And she's yes. a junior in high school, and she was just inducted into the National High School Honor Society. So, like I told her, I said, you didn't realize while she, while she was going through it, she didn't understand because she was so young why God chose her. But like I told her, when there's an anointing on your life such as this, I said, in this season, I said, God is raising you up in front of all of those people who ridiculed you and talked about you and told you, you know, you can't call you cancer kid and, you know, we're going to take your hair off and we're going to do all these things. You know, they were really cruel to her. But see, God is raising mm-hmm. up the standard for his people and for his children. In that trial, her self-esteem was so low, and she's a beautiful girl. I mean, I mean, she's a living testimony. Yes, like her mama. Yeah. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you for that. But she's beautiful, but it takes – uh, it takes a village to raise one child, and you know we had to fight for those children who were bullying her. I had to go, you know, I had to go down to the school and, and get ready to sue them up too. I was ready to, I was taking everybody down. I'm like, I'm sick of this, you know, that's my baby, and you know she's been through a lot, you know, and for her to be 10 years old, she doesn't even understand why she went through it. But last night was the first time that she actually gave her testimony, and she can see now what God is trying to do in her. Because God is raising her up because truly she's the apple of his eye. So he's not going to allow anything that the enemy intended for bad. He's going to turn it around for her good. She just couldn't see it during the process. It's like I couldn't see it. But God is opening so many doors for us now that we're just kicking them down. Because we're going to dispel the lives of the enemy that you don't have to die from any type of sickness or disease. Yes, right. Oh, man. <clears throat> Very inspirational. Yeah, I feel so, empowered. Um, 
<laughs> in your ministry, um, where do you see yourself, or where do you, what goal have you set for yourself in your ministry? Um, for my ministry, um, I've already achieved some, mainly, um, especially during this time of the year, is to be able to get into the different churches, the women's ministries, to be able to share our testimony for the young girls and for the older, because a lot of times we don't, you know, the Word of God says that we perish for from lack of knowledge. And so he has used us for this during this season to show that God is still real, God is still healing, and that God is still you know, he's still working miracles, although people cannot see him, but they will be able to see him through us, that we're going to be a showpiece and a mouthpiece for what he's done in our lives, for the grace that he's shown to us. So that's number one. And the second thing is I minister to women and um, young girls. I mentor, I train. Um, I'm trying to build up the women in the ministry because, you know, we have this misconception because it was in, in the book of Romans that, you know, Paul was telling us, you know, that women, basically women are not to preach or women are not to teach. But see, what they fail to realize is that in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he made them equal, although he, he appointed Adam over Eve. But what people fail to realize is that women are the ones who are willing to stand up and to get on the front lines for God. Men, they're coming slowly, they're coming in, but it takes them, they're watching their women. And when their women can take a stand and get be aggressive for God and in the kingdom to be able to transform lives and help those who have gone through so many different adversities in life, especially other women who are downtrodden and have been beaten and talked about and, you know, have been um, whoremongered and have been prostituted all, the, all, all different types of ways emotionally and spiritually and physically and mentally, that's when the men decide that they want to get online. So we carried the word. Mary carried the word, so therefore the word was in her first. So, what what can God do through a woman? That's that's my saying. That's why that's where I'm going. And I know that Uh-oh. God has called me. God has called me to the office of a pastor. I'm already moving into that direction, and I'm I'm just excited about what He's doing. I'm going to different states. I'm, I'm doing women's conferences. You know, I just give God praise because He's doing it, and I can't take any credit. I can't boast of myself because truly, if it had not been for him who was on my side, I know where I'd be at. Mm-hmm. Kelly. Wow. Don't make nobody <laughs> start shouting up in here. <laughs> no, I had no idea that she was in ministry, but I remember a comment being displayed on Facebook, and a lot of women was like, oh, my God, we all in the same place. And you left one comment. And it really just turned everything I was doing totally around, and that was just reading. So I'm, I, I'm really, I really want to come check you out. I know we are both in North Carolina. I do want to see what your ministry is all about because I believe you can touch a lot if you can just do that by just typing. So you really good. I'm digging that. All right. I encourage that. Yes, go support. That's love, right there. That's love, people. When yeah, that's you support love. one another, that is true love. Amen. And one thing I was always taught is when you learn how to celebrate someone else, then someone will celebrate with you when it's your time. God has a time for each one of us. He, You know, he really does. And, and I know you were going to ask me something about how I got into the writing and all that. Um, as a child, I've always loved to read anyway. And I always said I want to be a writer. There's a, quite a few things that I've said I wanted to do as, as while I was younger, and they have already come to pass. Writing is one, but I never thought that Cancer of the Silent Storm would be 
my first book because I fought against it so hard. I didn't want to write it because it's so painful. Even now, I still find find myself pulling over to the side of the road because I'm crying, you know, because of the pain. Even though I know it's healing for me, but at the same time, it's still pain because it's still, you know, God won't allow me to forget it because He's reminding me that uh, don't get too high up on yourself because you didn't do nothing I did. So, you know, just just, just stay humble. You know, my pastor tells me always, stay humble, Elder, stay humble, because what's going to end up happening is if I stay humble before before the people, then God is going to elevate me. So I don't have to try to elevate myself and, and give God praise. I, I'm not seeking that Amen. type of, you know, I'm not seeking that anyway. I just want him to get the glory out of my life. So he gave me the gift a long time ago, and I used to write in school and different things, And but the poetry is a new thing. <laughs> the poetry for me is new all the way around, and I give God praise, you know, like I said, I, I connected with a few people on, on Facebook, Pins, Miss China Blue, Taki, yeah, um, Isa Nicole, Pins Up, um, connected with them through Ladybug, um, through Desiree, down Desiree Bank. So, I mean, just to see them, it really stirred the gift in me, and I'm like, okay, now, they just bad to the bones. I don't even know what else to say. They they, they really, you know, the things that they write, all I have to do is read what they write, and I can vibe off of what they write. It's like it's like chemistry or something. I'm like, okay, I know I ain't a part of that, but I just want to write a little piece too. You know, I want to add something to what they said because God is really showing me that, you know what, you you thought that it was just writing novels and writing books for you. He said, but there's some, there's some poetic justice in you also. I'm like, oh, God, you know, that scared me. I'm like, okay, praise God, you know. <laughs> But but um, with their encouragement, because I, the more I saw them, I was like, this is just bad. And, you know, I would scratch my head, and i sit up here and read. And, I mean, I'm sitting up here with chill bumps and, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know, uh-huh. good, you know good, good hot poetry. I'm like, okay. You know, because poetry wasn't my favorite thing, you know, wasn't my favorite thing in school. But I'm like, you know what, this I can get with. You know, I can get with this. So, you know, I did a couple of dedications to pens because they really, really inspired me. And you can't, you know, you can't, everybody can't inspire you, number one. And when there are people out here that can inspire you, you need to give props. And because when God's words, once again, I take it back there, he says to give honor to whom honor is due. Pens, they got my, that they got so honor. Deep. That is so deep. I am so glad that I had something to do with that poetic justice. I feel so just warm on the inside. You don't even know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I you know I wrote you know I wrote something for y'all <laughs> because God, you know, because God, you know, He knows when you need something, and He knows when something when there's a season for something to be birthed in your life. He knows who to send across your path. So it couldn't have been just anybody, and God already knew that. I mean, you know, Thank granted, you. you know, I love Ladybug's writing, but it wasn't her necessarily her her poetry that put me on digging deep into myself to see well what's it you know well, what I got in my in my treasure box. So that was what it was. When I saw Pins and she was like, Well check this out, check this out I'm like, My oh my gosh. You know, I, I oh my gosh, just for real, oh my gosh. Wow. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just loving this. You know what? God I mean you know, and I'm asking God, God, did you put that in me? Cause, I mean they hot. And and when I wrote the poem, Ladies First, that's exactly what I meant. And I think about Queen Latifah when she was talking about Ladies First, when she's made that song. I said, these girls, <laughs> right. 
That's all I gotta say. You know, they bad, and I let, I gotta write. You know, and God began to give me give me stuff to write, and I was always like, dang, you know what? Maybe somebody might like this. You know, so of course I posted on Facebook, whatever, and I got you know I got some okay stuff. You know, but I'm still like questioning myself, like uh uh-uh, uh, but not like pens. So you know, not like pens. I'm always comparing myself to pens, and God told me that you already know you can't. You you got to do you. You can't compare yourself to pins and ladybug and just and none of them other things because I created you. He said I gave you yeah. this. You know you use what I gave you and watch it. Watch your gift make room for you. And Lachey would have the best yeah. comments. Like we write a piece and she comment and it'll be a whole little addition to our piece. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say okay okay well we waiting to see what you can do and then that's when you know they they came out and did what they do. And I love it. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I must right. say, Pins, I did not know the whole group. I believe I got in contact with China first. And I always say this to you, China, your work is definitely on a whole nother level. And I also told China that I do believe that God put us together for a reason. And all of us, that we cross these paths for a reason. And, you know. Yeah, you are my poetic writing, family. I love my poetic family. family. I got to love them. I mean, there's no other family like y'all. <laughs> and I love y'all so much. It's just a wonderful thing that we can come together and write together and share our thoughts together and inspire one another. That is a truly good thing. It's a great thing. And I believe we have a special call for the lady of the hour. I'm not sure if this is the person, but i got to check the line anyways, and I don't want to miss out on this person. So we have 678. You had your hand up for quite a while. You're on the air with Tana Blue, the poetess and author, with Shay. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will come back to 678. Um, <laughs> I, I do know that we do have a call coming in for you, um, if she wants to do a piece for you, so whenever you're ready, um, if you're listening out there, I don't know where you're at, but if you're ready, it's time to call in now, 347-826-9842. If you have any questions for us, you can call in right now and ask for any questions you like. We have about 15 minutes to do that. Tana, do you have any questions for um, Mr. Shane? I do have a question. You were talking about your book and how God blessed you with that title, which is a beautiful thing when God blesses you with the title because it'll come out of nowhere. And you know it's him because, you know, you would have never thought of it yourself. Right. Right, right. Yeah, you're with me. Okay, so speak a little bit about the book before we go to our next break. Um, Okay. Um, The book was birthed in my spirit in 2004. well, actually, at the end of 2004 and the 2005, and God told me he wanted me to write the book, and I struggled against the book, and I was like, I don't I don't know how to, I've never written a book, and I'm, you know, I'm debating with God, and I'm going back and forth with God, and, you know, he said, well, it's going to be Cancer, the Silent Storm, and it just dropped in my spirit, because a lot of times, God, he deals with me late at night, and, you know, because that's that's when everything is quiet, that's when he knows that I'm going to hear him. He spoke at Cancer the Silent Storm. So I jumped up my bed, I wrote the title down, and I was like, I don't know what this is for. I said, but I ain't writing no book, but I'm going to go ahead and put this down on a piece of paper. So I did that. I put Cancer the Silent Storm down. And as I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah. I said, but we do have a testimony, and, you know, 
maybe it might help somebody. I said, but it's too hard. You know, it's really painful to write. And, um, you know, God really stayed in my spirit. I mean, it was like I, I could hear my in my ears. It was like a pounding. I could feel it in my spirit. It was just like write the book, write the book. He showed me, he told me how to do everything. He gave me the title. He gave me who to lead the book and memorial to. He told me, he reminded me of like things that normally, you know, a lot of people wouldn't remember. You'd be like, oh, well, I can't remember what happened at that point in that time. But, no, God kept everything fresh in my mind from 2003 all the way up until the book was published in 2009. So that's like almost six years. So, I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, going through, and it, if I thought I forgot something, God would just begin to remind me, you know, what happened that day or what was going on during the book. So I wrote the – I finally wrote it. I broke down. I said, you know what, Lord, I said, if you want me to write this book, I'm going I'm, to I'm write the book. And then I, I started writing, and it got so hard I cried more than I could write because it was just that painful. And, you know, um, my husband would say, well, don't write it if you – I mean, gosh – you you acting all like that, and, you know, I, I don't want you to write the book. And I was like, well, I don't want to write it either, but God said <laughs> to write the book. So <laughs> I put it down, you know, and I was, you know, and I fought against it for a long time. But it was like one night I couldn't get any rest, and I felt this, this presence over me. And I'm telling you, it was like God was like, I ain't even playing with you. Get the book written and get it finished. And I was like, I don't want to write the book. I'm still trying to trying to fight it. But God said, you're going to write the book. So I finally gave in, like I always do, because that's what we do, because God is God. So I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and write the book. I'm going to stop being rebellious. I'm going to stop being disobedient, and I'm going to write this book. So I did. Stop write, being I disobedient, girl. You know better than that, man. I know. Stuff. I know. I know. Look, I ain't with the ones. <laughs> the main ones. At the <laughs> so, yeah, so. I wrote the book, and um, and like I was um, just speaking with someone recently, everything that that I write, every story, like I have the three short stories that are published, Broken But Healed, um, Just Speak Life and Restoration, God doesn't, I don't write anything unless God gives it to me. That's just the bottom line. That means he he has a plan for it. All he wants me to do is be obedient and put the pen to paper. That's all he wants me to do. He's going to tell me what to say. He's going to give me the title. He gives me everything. So I just I just go ahead and write it down, and a lot of people are like, "Well, how in the world did you write that poem so fast? You were just it was you know it, it only take a few minutes. If I just listen to God and allow Him to have His way, then He will um He's going to tell me what to write, and I don't have to struggle, you know. So that's how I wrote the book, and I, everything I write, I get my direction from Him. Well, all right, tell me. Right. Hey, yeah, we're gonna take a break. Um, I want five minutes left in the show. I'm still waiting on this particular person to call, okay. and we want to keep rolling with the interview. Be right back, guys.
o'clock. It's time for poetry after dark. With me, poetess in China Blue, and you too. Time to unwind your mind and let poetry of the dark set off that spark in your muse. The poetess in China spread nothing but poetic fire all throughout the matrix to get you caught up in the poetic vortex. It ain't hard to get to. You know the digits to call. Whether you want a street, hardcore, erotic, or even conscious, they got it all. You ain't gotta sit in the dark on poetry night. All poets get their time to shine on open mic. Tuesday and Friday night, you know what to do. Tell the poetess in China Blue that Diamond J sent you. The original poetry after dark featuring authorist Lachey. Wow. So, guys, I've been putting links up in the chat room, and I just want to say that the authorist does have um, a few websites. She has www.lachayjmitchell.com, great website. She also has www.lachayjmitchell.blogspot.com. And she has her own publishing company, Big Ups to the Girls. She's on Big Things, www.silentunitypublishing.com. And those links will be in chat. And I will be announcing them again later on in the show. So welcome back, to Shay. Thank you. Welcome back. Yeah. It's been great. I've been enjoying the interviews. It's been very informative. And I just, again, praise you for telling the story here with us tonight. Yeah. Thank y'all. For the brave story. And I know it's hard to talk about something so personal that you and your daughter went through at almost the exact same time. So I, mm-hmm. I know that was a, it's a struggle, but you're so brave in sharing with us. And as I didn't know a lot of people, you know, they um, they experience these things and they don't really share or you don't know these things about them. And then when someone comes out and speaks on it, you find out that other people also are struggling or or um, have experienced this and, and, and are looking for that same strength that you have and that your daughter has. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you decided to share with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. Yes, yes, yes. Um, mystery caller, wherever you are, please, please call in soon. Time is getting short. Um, we're going to keep moving, though. That's what we do. So um, I'm ready for another day. Huh? <laughs> This is a poetry show. Let's not leave the fact that this is a poetic show. We want some of that poetic justice. We're going to get it in, but i got to ask her this. i got to ask her this, and then this is going to fall her into her, her poetry. But you have your own publishing company, and I just want to know um, how you got that started. Um, okay, what happened was, this is how it happened. Um, when I was writing Cancer the Silent Storm, um, I guess it's when you're new to the literary game. You know, there's a lot of a whole lot of people out here, a whole lot of writers, a whole bunch of people that have a whole lot of information, but, you know, I guess they're scared to share, <laughs> scared that someone's going to know more than them, scared that someone's going to be one up on them. So I kind of got burned quite a few times before I decided that I didn't want other writers or other people who are trying to, to get into this business and writing their books, I didn't want them to have to go through the struggle and to deal with some of the shadiness that I had to deal with. I lost a lot of money dealing with some of these these people. Of course, I won't say any names because God's got it. But um, 
I needed to empower myself. That's one thing I'm, I'm really big on. I'm big on learning things. I'm big on doing things on my own because I am a leader and not a follower. So being new to the game, of course, I needed some help like we all do. I needed some support like like we all do. So I started to do the thing that I knew knew best. I, I supported other authors. I bought their books. Even newer authors, the ones that you know we don't really know the names of, I did those so that we they could build up their fan base and so that they could get their books sold. Because I'm sowing good seeds into other people's ministry because it is ministry. No matter whether it's good or bad, they're going to reap a harvest from it. So I sow into other people's into their book business until their you know their passion for writing and hope that they would do the same for me. But things yeah. like I got, huh? I said, yeah, right, I feel you, I feel you. Right, so that's what I did. And it still seemed like I was always getting the short end of the stick. So what I did, I thought to myself, self, self said, huh, we can't we can't do this anymore. So I, I public, had the book published, and I wasn't really pleased with the publishing of it, and I thought I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to do it all over again. I'm going to get a new book cover. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to zap it up on the inside, the interior. I'm going to do some different fonts, going to add some poetry to it, you know, make it, you know, just make it a little more mine. So I did that, and I said, well, let me, God had given me a title. He had given me a, a business title, Silent Unity, and I always thought about it and how I came. He gave me Silent Unity because I'm one who will work behind the scenes to push other people to their literary literary destiny. So I'm one mm-hmm. who's free, free giving. I give freely of information. I don't nickel and dime people to death. You know, it is what it is. Granted, when you um, when you want to be, everyone wants to be accepted by the traditional publishing houses. Of course, we all want a, a contract and a deal. Okay, I can't act like I didn't want one too, but I realize that more people are, are self-published than there are who are traditionally published because, Traditional publishers, they want what they want out of your work. When I do my own thing, it's my own thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't have right. to. You know, I don't have to to be nickel and dime to death. And so, what I'm doing, although I'm publishing other people, I'm praying that God will drop something in their spirit or in their in their common sense in their inner man that they too need to be empowered with knowledge so that they can do their own thing. I don't want them paying me forever. Granted, I want some money. But I don't want them to pay me forever for doing a job that they, too, can do if they'll just do the homework and do the research. So that's where I came up with Silent Unity, that we're working together, have a team of people, an editor, and, you know, a couple of other people at me, and we work together. Like I said, we hold hands. We're unified as a, as a united front. And silently we're pushing other people's literary dreams, making them, bringing them to fruition. So that's how I came up with Silent Unity Publishing, only because, there were some things that I didn't like dealing with even new uh, some other new writers. They were new writers, but they were like dog. It was like a dog-eat-dog dog thing, and I'm thinking, well, you know, this isn't the record record industry or <laughs> movie industry, but yet and still I see that it's the same dirty tactics that they use all over. So I decided I'm going to do things differently. You know, I want to help people, push them to the journey. Yes, I even want to, and I'm, I'm really pushing for the youth, our youth, there are so many of our youth that get on Facebook and they have some of the, the most anointed words. They're so deep because they go through so much nowadays. But no one is pushing them to read, which is fundamental, number one, and then number two, to use their voice for something that's positive. So I'm pushing that we can get some youth 
to come come on out here and, and put some of their pieces together so that I can do an anthology for them. They won't have to pay for anything. It'll be all paid for. I'm going to do that because I'm sowing seeds into their lives. I think a lot of children would turn around if they said, oh, wow, my name is in print. Or, you know, let them make some money for the work that they've done. So, I mean, it's all yes, ministry yes. for me, you know. It's all ministry for me. It's all about it's all about ministry for me. Like I said, granted, whatever few dollars I make from it, fine, well, or whatever. But I really want to empower even those people that I'm publishing right now. I want to empower them and push them into being their own publishers because God has given me the, uh, given me um, the ability to get wealth in this season, and I know this because it's too much. It's too much out here, and it's like okay, and I'm trying to get everything I can so I can give it to to those same people that have tried to go these ways and who have been burnt or have been you know just taken for granted. And like I said, I won't lose another dollar. I refuse to use, lose another dollar that I don't have when I can pour mm. it into myself, and I know that I'm going to look after me the best. I hear that. I, I hear that. Tell us, sister. Preach. Preach, minister. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Well, um, co-host is at the edge of the seat. I'm ready. I'm pretty sure the audience is ready. They want to hear. They want to hear you sit. So, well, we're going to go in the background. We're going to let you do your thing. All right. Well, <clears throat> I had to come, I didn't have time to prepare anything fresh, unfortunately, but I do have quite a few. So I picked the perfect love song, and it reads, As I listened to the lyrics and the smooth voice that belted through my spiritual speakers, I had no control, had no choice. I knew the love song was special just for me, shook me so, made me weak in the knees. In obedience to the spirit, I swayed to the music as it spoke, massaged my mind. From all what happened that day, what took place between five and nine, the harmony blended with your words so sweet, so seemingly real. My spirit quickened. I leaped to my feet trying to capture the feel. Oh, where the song was going, the message behind the music it revealed. Some of the things you uncovered for me made me laugh and giddy with anticipation. No matter how many left turns I take, when I get in mind and do right, I will arrive at my intended destination. You're aware of how I feel and how I have felt, reminding me all you have done, who you are, and so I knelt. On my knees as I meditated on you, your word, raised my hands in humble submission. Still, listening to the song that took me out of my comfort zone, I cried out to you, mesmerized, hypnotized, broken down, stripped naked before you. The music seemed so far away. You took me up behind the veil. Here is where I want to stay, where I can worship you, where the enemy can't find me, where I can conversate with you, where there are no barriers like Adam and Eve before the fall from grace. Lord, I know you can see the years of pain, bitterness, failures etched in the lines of my face. Lord, cast me not away, turn not away from me. As I long to be ministered to you, to, to in your temple, my secret dwelling place, where you anointed my head with oil, with a fresh oil, restoring me while pouring into me. I know it was you, not Lucifer, who really has the most beautiful voice of all. You sing the perfect love song all day. Love so right could never be wrong. Your love song was my call. To spend time with you, to deny myself, put down the desire for riches and wealth, your love song reminded me. What good does it for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? There were nine fruit of the spirit all working together. I exercised the spirit of self-control. Restoration, meditation, preparation is what you desire for me. Not hateration, stagnation, and last but not least, damnation. Thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to sing me the perfect love song. That was perfect love song. Now, very nice. 
Very nice. Snap, 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 snap. Thank you. Okay. I'm having a bad, I can't hear you. Everything is like chopped up. Did you say something, Mr. Shay? No, I didn't. I don't, I'm good. I didn't say anything else. Okay. Okay. We all got it. We got it together. We got it together. We together. Okay. Okay. All right. Had to do a mic check. Um, all right. So what's next? I have a caller. We can take a caller or we can go into another piece. Um, Ms. Cohost, some insight will be great here. Let's take our caller. Oh, we got two guys. Oh, no. That one just left. We got 323, and that's going to be Callie. Callie. How are you? Good evening. I am doing beautiful. On full. And folks don't come. And, you know, let us. Let's do what we do. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of liking your show already. That's the third time I've been to your show. You know, I told you I was going to support you, you know, but I got so many different things going on, you know what I'm saying? And my state of mind is like forget, get in that forgetful mode, and it stays so full, you know, so sometimes I forget and slip right past you, and I'll go lay down, and I'll jump up and say, oh, I missed the deport show. You well, know. we're glad you made it. Oh, yeah. I, I decided I was going to go. You know, I was going to go lay down. I just came back from the Urban Geek Show. So, you know, had a wonderful time there, you know. So it is what it is. Is it open mic now? <laughs> no, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. It is. Um, we have a feature. Uh, we've been talking with authors with say If you have a question, you can ask her a question. If you want to um, say anything else on her, you can, but we're not doing an open mic thing tonight. You know, let's try to shut well, down I the just... poets. You know that the poets go call. You know they go call. You have to shut them down. <laughs> it don't be me, y'all. We all the hour, and our focus <laughs> is on Miss Arthur Lachey. She is the same for, you know, right now. So our focus is on her. Well, I just want to say, I mean, I came in on the last end of, end of this, you know, so the only thing I can really say is welcome to the Porsche show, and uh, hopefully one day I will catch you somewhere in the Internet somewhere and have a conversation with you and find out where you at, you know. So I just wanted to say thank you for coming and supporting my sister, you know. Thank you. And, uh, Pretty much all that I have to say, and I that's have that's, and that's very sweet. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm You're welcome. I'm clapping for I you. I don't want her. Hey, I don't want her. Nobody sounds, but I'm gonna say this since you're always making me feel bad. If we have enough time towards the end of the show, I will allow the callers to call in and you know sit on the mic. But I gotta make sure. I take care of the people. I feel you, Teddy. Teddy in the chat room going, what? No open mic? I feel you, Teddy. I feel your pain, boo. I feel you. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> Thank you, um, guys, for calling in and speaking to us and author, authorists. 
Lachey. It just rolls off your tongue. But again, if we have enough time, we could definitely open the mic up. I'm gonna have to go ahead and, and put the chokehold on my co-host. He's supposed to be on my side. But okay. <laughs> okay. I'm on the side of poetry all day, boo. Okay, we got six seven eight and step back on the board eight five eight. Six seven eight. Um, I'm about to open up your line, so you need to say something. Cause last time you didn't say anything, so six seven Hello? eight. Hello. We hear you. Hi, this is, this is Ladybug. Hi, hey, 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 I just wanted to call in to support Lachey, and I wanted to do a little piece, if I can, real quick, dedicated to her. Do you do poetry? It's called, I Acknowledge Your Strength. I know you're blessed to have endured such stress. God surely uplifted you, kept his word, walked right beside you, coupled with you strong in unity. He instilled in you to trust he, washed your soul to purity. For I too know a fight. No one believed the master, the one and only to make things right. He raised you up out of the fight, directed your path to nothing but positive, great goodness. He blessed you with the gift to speak about the trials, the pains that you overcame. He splashed upon love to fill your spirit, spilled upon to you riches of all kinds, used you, that beauty that you possess. Let your heart shine to help all of mankind. I forever acknowledge your strength. May you continue to touch the hearts of everyone God places along your journey. Fill them with the glory of your testimony. I love you. Oh. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me get it in. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You welcome, you welcome. I love you, but I gotta put it down now because I gotta write. I know that's right. (laughs) Thank you, Ladybug. I love you, my poetic queen partner. I love you, Mm -hmm. I love you. That's so sweet. Hey, y'all, while y'all got both of y'all on the phone, please introduce what y'all doing together. What we doing together? We're brothers together. I don't know about anointing queen. Yeah, thank you. Okay, somebody got me. You want to start, Ladybug? You want to let them know? No, you could start. Did we leave Ladybug? No, okay, sure. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, actually, what? Oh, this is how me and Ladybug got together. Actually, it wasn't even about poetry. Like I was telling you all earlier, I'm really new at this, and Ladybug was a poet before I ever even thought about being doing any of this. Well, anyway, we were connected so that I could publish her book. So her next book that's coming out, Genesis of a Poet, Poetess, is coming out in February. So I'm actually publishing. Well, Silent Unity Presents is publishing the book. And so we connected that way, but then she's a poetess, and she got me connected with pens, so she's the catalyst and got me moving in that direction. And then when I got connected with pens, when I saw Fakisha in China and Nicole dropping it like it was hot, then the rest is history. So we started, you know, when I, my, my gift got stirred up, me and Ladybug, we started to vibe back and forth on each other. So 
It's all history. It's all good. It's all love. And poetry was born. Anointed queens. Anointed queens, y'all. That's what it is. Anointed queens of poetic justice. You can check them out on Facebook. Check out their logo. I did that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yes, awesome work. China is the best. She's a bomb. I'm telling y'all, you better get with her if you want them graphics. Get with her. Y'all heard oh, yeah. first. Get something <laughs> What you got to do is take a look at the marquee. She did all that. China is definitely <laughs> about her business. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I want to thank you again, Ladybug, for calling in. We appreciate that. I'm sure your girl appreciate that. Um, big ups to Anointed Queens, and we're going to see Miss Ladybug on Friday for her premiere with China Blue and the Poetess, and I'm not sure if she's going to do her thing. But Welcome. Okay, <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> All right, so there it is. We have, oh, goodness. Oh, I'm going to need some help on this switchboard. Good gracious. Who came in second? I think it was 858. We're going to bring 858 in. Yellow. Hello. Hello. All right, 858, you're on the air with China Blue, the poetess and author Lachey. How you doing tonight? I'm doing fantabulous. Hello, Arthur Lachey, China Blue, and, of course, D-Love. How y'all ladies doing this evening? Great. I, I, I love it when you say China Blue. It just sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm listening to the show. Miss um, Lachey, uh, Arthur Lachey, Sugar, Dearheart, um, just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I hope you feel this, that you and whomever can sit up and testify, to tell their story, to spread the word of hope. Um, I truly, truly appreciate that. So um, that's basically uh, what I wanted to do. Your story is heart-wrenching. It's, um, there is some hope in all of that turmoil because you're here to tell the story. Um, thank you kindly. For whatever this, wherever the strength came from, um, your support system to have you here to tell the story, I am much appreciative of all of that, and thank you kindly. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, no, no, sis. I'm good. Great show. Um, and I'll see y'all on the flip side. All right. One love. Be blessed. One love, baby. <clears throat> That's what it do. Now I have another caller, but we're gonna take a short break. My very white black, and we'll be back with that next caller. And we're talking with Austin to show you guys. Wow, we got Jahoon coming up. See, so I'll be back off that. How much you meant to me From first sight that first night I knew instantly That you'd be the one for me Deep down in 
Let you go. Oh, oh, oh. 
original poetry after dark future and author is Lachey Mitchell, bringing him back on the line. I enjoyed the evening with you. I'm so glad you were able to hang out with us tonight. Yeah. Thank you so much. I had a good time. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay, awesome. So, yes, he had a great show, and my co-host is putting me on the sideline for a second. She's about to take over. So I'm gonna sit in the background, and I'm gonna be quiet. Yes, she's gonna sit in the background. This is a poetry show, so I had to let somebody get in. So I'm about to bring you on. Bring you on, A15. Yeah, A15. I'm about to bring you on. You're ready. Hello, you're on the air with the poetess in China Blue. What it is, poetess. Thanks what for is. having me on the show. Um, now, this is really so I want to just say to the authors, uh, Lachey, that um, I think that um, it's very powerful to go through an experience and be able to express it with other people, especially when it... Um, it's so painful, and to do that, it takes a lot of courage, not just to survive, but to tell the story and to be able to express it in a way where others can benefit from it. I really um, I congratulate you for being able to do that. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, I got a piece that I Yay. wanted to share. It's called... Uh, a love affair with his ghost um, starts like this. Spanish ghost, slight front teeth bites against my skin. Wet, affectionate nibbles. My hands subconsciously, softly caress small circles across her spine, down a small of her back, nestling her nose into my neck, delighting in her embrace. Her touch seasons my soul like an expensive spice rack. It's either God or seen as ghosts. That's an Indian giver, because at the breaking of day, she leaves and he get, takes her back. In her Puerto Rican Brooklyn accent, the faint repeat of the whispers, Hey, babe, what you doing? Echoes into my unconsciousness. You might think it's crazy, but this I must confess. Sina's love in the middle of the night haunts me. Touching a green spooning with butterfly kisses consoles our grief. Her late night visit is the way I obsess. Last night we had a fight. She said, baby, what's wrong? I had a whole laundry list of what was making me sad. Beyond that, because I'm pissed off, I'm freaking mad. I had to remind her, it's been 23 days and 21 hours, 17 minutes and 52 seconds since you left me and slipped into another realm. We were planning a wedding while men of dreams. Instead, I lived this nightmare alone at the corner of Heartbreak and St. Elm. And you know what, Cena? I'm so fucking overwhelmed, so filled with anger and grief. The death angel stole my soulmate October 1st at 2.58 a.m. like a lascivious thief. Let's not Act like there's nothing wrong. How much longer can a love affair with Cena's ghost in the middle of the night be carried on? You tricked me. You made me promise I wouldn't die after the heart attack. I was released on a Monday, and you admitted Tuesday. Stop receiving my call Thursday night 
and died early that Friday morning. It was like waking up and cutting open my chest with a rusty butter knife, crushing, squeezing, choking out every bit of life, spiritual thunderstorming out in the sky without much warning. Touching your body for the last time, I heard gospel singers and babies crying, eternally resting in a coffin with angels adorning. And to top it off in a few minutes, you're going to leave me again this morning. And you you used to be my only constellation, warmed by the same sun and at night lighted by the same moon. My promise keeps us separated. I can't go with you for breakfast with the creator in the other room. She kissed my forehead in the darkest hours before the breaking of day and said, Don't think of my body motionlessly resting in a cold, dark tomb, but picture your chocolate queen as a rose in the garden of God, blossoming in full bloom. She said, I have to go now. I said, When will I see you again? She said, I don't know. I cried and said, Baby, please, please don't go. I cried and I cried because Cena's ghost was no constellation for the pain in my heart and the tears in my eyes. And that's that piece. <clears throat> All right, I had to bring myself back in. Uh, thank you for doing that piece. <laughs> I don't know how to do the hand clapping or else I would have did the hand clapping, but I was feeling you. All right. Okay. I'm snapping my fingers, though. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear your fingers. Okay. Well, I got you. Hands up. Hands up. Thanks again, and um, keep me in your prayers, and I'm definitely keeping you in my prayers. Thanks for letting me spit on the show. Well, thank you. And call back again on Friday for our open mic night. If you got a collab that you get with someone else, make sure that you bring that one on Friday. Represent. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. 26 minutes left in the show. And, oh, okay, I thought we lost um, the show. She's still on the line. Okay, good. Any last things that you want to say to... Um, Author Cliche, go ahead and do so now so she can um, get back to her night. Are you with us, Cliche? You still with us? Yes, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. How did you feel about that piece? I just came out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, okay. I don't want to be here supporting you, y'all. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. No. 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 Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going, I, you know what? I'm going to feel sticky because you'll do it to me. I've been telling her. I've been doing this for three years now, okay? I've been telling you. You're going to learn. You're going to learn, and when she learns, she's going to be a whole lot better. But, okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, get, I had to do it. I had to get it. She gets me all the time, so. Authorist, um, let's say I just again I I wanna say thank you for coming on with us. Thank you for sharing um your trials. I mean, you really, really brought me to a new light on on, on things. I lost the father through cancer, but 
I just can't imagine watching my child go through that. So you are very strong women. Yeah, yes, indeed. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. I'm, um, like I said, I'm honored to have been on. I had a great time, and if I can just pick up Friday night, I'm gonna be back on here with y'all just listening in. Don't just listen. We want you to come in and do your collab with with Don with Ladybug. Now don't just call and listen. (laughs) You know we gotta get you now. You know how I am. I'm on the poets. If you got some poetry, bring it. Bring it. So I can put my pen up. All right. All right. I got you. All right. Yeah, we'll the Donna Queen's got to do anything. It's going to be a lot of people showing off from uh, Friday. You have pens up that's going to be coming through. You have Authentic Ink with the poetry and many, many collaborations for people. I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get all this together because we're talking about maybe five, six class here. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting night. But I definitely want to give a major shout-out to um website of Lachey. And the first one um, is www.lachey, J-like and Jacob Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L.com www.lachejmitchell.blogspot.com and www.silentunitypublishing.com. Make sure you put me on Silent Publishers uh, payroll. Put me as a graphic designer. Let me in. I'm always going to plug me. I'm going to plug me. Oh, yeah. I told you I was sending you the business. So that's what I'm gonna do. She did. But um, she did. She sent me some business. I appreciate that. That's love. That's what we do. Yeah, that's, that's, we do, how, that's how we do it. But I wanted everybody to also um, the Silent Unity Publishing website that you just gave out is actually coming down. But I do have www.silentunitypublishingpresents.com. That's the newest um, literary website or publishing website. So if you can give them that one instead of the the other one, the old one is coming down and the new is already up and ready. It's running. Okay, do me a favor, um, Lachey. Go ahead and type that into chat because I couldn't really make out what you were saying um, to go to the website. But go ahead and type that in chat for us. Okay. So everyone can just click on the link. And they can go right to the site from the chat room and check it out. And turning the mic back over to China, um, again, is there anything that you wanted to say before we get up and finish up? All I would like to say is I really appreciate everyone for listening to the show and listening and supporting her. Like, it means a lot. Well, when I was on someone else, when I was on your show and people called in and supported me, I really I really appreciated that. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that she appreciates everyone calling in and just encouraging her to keep on with her ministry and her poetry, with her writing, with her publishing company and everything that she's trying to do. You know, I, I encourage it and I support it. And I was so glad that she yesed when I asked her to come on the show. I'm so glad that she said yes and decided to come and share her story. It was encouraging. I wish your daughter could have been on too and, and we could have heard her side of, of the story, but maybe she's not ready yet. I don't know. But it was nice well, to have you come in and and, um, and share that with us. And just know that I'm encouraged. Thank Definitely you. Definitely encouraged. 
Thank you. Thank you. And I do, too. I want to give a shout-out to everyone who called in and everybody who who was on the chat, in the chat room. You know, thank you so much. I mean, it really means a lot, um, when, especially when, for people who don't know your story, who are in support of other people. You just never know what God has in store for you. So I'm hoping that um, you, you all have, you know, learned something. Main thing first, please listen to your bodies. I know we didn't really get into all of that, but it's very important that you listen to your bodies and advocate for yourself because I'm telling you, nobody is going to take care of you like you. And if you don't take care of your body, then no one else will. So whatever you do, please just just take care of your bodies and listen to your bodies because your bodies do give warnings when something is going wrong. It's just whether or not you're going to listen to that symptom and get it checked out or if you're going to let it overtake you. So peace. One more. I would also like to say, um, I said it in the chat, but I don't think you you were in chat already, but uh, at the time you were speaking and I was saying that I appreciate your story because a lot of people, you know, and with you being in ministry and being a pastor and um most people, when they speak on, when they go through things like this, a death or something where they, their life was at risk, they don't really get a chance to, well, they don't decide to come out and express how their feelings were towards God. You know, they, they, it's like they didn't, they don't express the struggle that it is to say, you know, okay, well, you know what, God, look, what's happening to me, I don't understand, I'm faithful. And they try to act like they didn't go through those kind of struggles, you know, with God, their emotions toward God. And I felt like that was a real brave and, and it was it was um, heartfelt to know that, you know, you went through that. Even as a minister with your love for God, I don't know if you grew up in, in, in church. I did it. So when I hear people test testimonies and they talk about how they how they feel towards God, it does something for me, you know. No, you didn't give up. You were just saying, God, please, you know, what's going on? People act like they don't question God, like everything is what God meant it to be, and I accept it, and that's my life. And it's nice to know that you were questioning because oh, yeah. you were human. Definitely, definitely, and I think a lot of people forget that, you know, they forget that that we are human, and I I didn't grow up in church. I didn't get saved till I was 23, and even though I knew that there was a God, I didn't serve God, and I picked on the people that were saved when I was in school, so therefore, I was, I mean, you know, I'm like the worst person probably to be saved because I was actually picking on the kids, but you're right, and I have to, and I'm just a realist. I don't have time to shoot tell anything for anybody when I preach People will tell you, I bring it raw, and I bring it hard, and I bring it tight. If you can't deal with it, then that's on you. You discuss it with God. But I'm going to give you his word, and you can do what you want to do with it afterward. But that's the purpose of of, of test, because without no test, there is no testimony. And God doesn't allow us to, to, he doesn't allow us to go through things and then brings us out of things for us to keep it to ourselves. You know, God intends to get the glory out of our lives, and if they won't tell it, then someone else will. But, see, there people don't realize that there are a, there's an assignment on your life. There's a mandate that God has given you that he's attached some souls that are waiting for your testimony, and a lot of people die because people won't talk. Right. I appreciate that. Wow. We have somebody else on the line. I don't know if he's coming in on that. We're going to check real quick because I'm running real short on time. Three one three. Josh, are you there? Please, Queen, can you hear me? Oh, I can, can hear you. I thought you were going to get scared on me. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm, up, never, come on, nah, I'm never scared, Queen. Peace, baby. How you doing, Queen? Peace to all the sisters on the phone. I just want to call in. Huh? Can you hear me? Let me some Josh. That's China. Okay, peace to you. Peace to Queen China. How you doing, baby? It's good, uh-huh. to, good to 
Good to speak to you. I just wanted to talk shit and disrupt the show and say that I love y'all and I love the show and, and y'all keep up the good work. Y'all going ahead and build. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> we love you too, John. Oh. Peace. Peace. Peace, babe. Wow. <laughs> He's a mess. <laughs> All right, um, ladies. Wow. We got to get up, Miss Authors. We, we got a lot of stuff we got to get into, especially being um, in the same area. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, please go and support her. And then come back on the show and talk about it. Let us know what she's talking about. Of course, of course. I'm telling her when she says um, we need to, when God brings us to stuff and we go through stuff, we don't need to hold it in. We need to, we need to share it with others. And that's why I'm such a great poet, and that's why you're such a great poet, and that's why authors are such a great poet, because we're giving it back. We're telling our story, whether it's through speaking or spitting a piece or writing it down. And that's what it's about, is, is giving that testimony. So definitely us as poets, spoken word artists, we need to keep it going. We need to keep doing that thing. Testimonies are what do it for me. When I hear it's, it's not, I like to hear the pastor preach, but I like to hear people's testimonies because I know if God could do it for them, I'm feeling encouraged God could do it for me. Yeah. And that's what it is. And people say, you know, I can't see God. Or he, you know, he's not talking to me. He talks to us, okay? He lives to us. So you got to open your heart and you got to be true to yourself or he's not going to choose you. That's just what it is. With that being said, I'm going to take a short break and we're going to come back and say our goodbyes. It's been a great show. Thank you for everyone that called in, everyone that listened yes, yes. to Facebook, and everyone that showed love in the chat room tonight. We, we appreciate all of you guys. Our chat room is something. What? We've been CC addicted love.
original poetry after dark. It's been a great feature tonight with the author of Shady Mitchell. And I just want to say that song right there is a godly song. She's speaking about God. If you don't know about leaving the CC Ryan and Cell Phone, you got to YouTube that thing. So they they definitely was a great um duo, brother and sister connection. Love that song. And I was gonna play another one but I decided to go with that one. Because I knew you was gonna go on me. I knew you was gonna say something about my music. You won't stop that. <laughs> I bet I won't forget no more to send my music in. No more. That was a mistake on my part. It will never happen again. Whatever. Whatever, hater. I got a co-host that we, we unevenly yoked out. I'm trying to get yoked with this lady. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, when the world come on the show and don't want to go away, she say we unequally yoked out. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta get on the, you know, we gotta see eye to eye, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we are eye to eye, boo. I love you. I love you, boss. We are eye to eye. She always gotta call me boss, y'all. I feel like I'm playing in the Bronx Tales over this zone or something. like a Bronx Tales. No, that movie. Come on now. I love that movie. I can't knock it. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Come on, film me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not always against you. I'm with you. Not always, but most of the time we we be on the show. We like, ugh. I be I'm in her and stuff like, yo, like, uh. <laughs> but no, no. I can't help that I talk too much, much, and I love poetry. I love words. You, I can't help yes, it. I'm always voting for the poetry. Mm-hmm. Tana will be the one that will comment on your piece, and she's going to dissect that thing, and she's going to tell you all the good spots. Even if it wasn't even a hot piece like that, she's going to find something hot about it, okay? <laughs> I, that, that's the first <laughs> conversation I remember us having is when you hit me up and you were like, how is it <laughs> that you say stuff? Even when it don't be good pieces, you managed to find something good out of it. I said, oh, wow. Okay, she paid attention to me. That's what's up. Yeah, yes, have real, real feedback, man. You don't get that a lot from people. And I'm gonna be honest with uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Everybody poetry ain't good. All no, all my poetry might not be good for some of you guys, but you can right. tell if someone with your work when they by their feedback. If they just put a four letter word, <laughs> nice, high, good, nine times out of ten they won't feel it. So if you feel someone work, you going to you know you going to tell them about. It. You're going to get them some feedback. Don't say nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> you just made all kind of people feel bad because they gonna go back and look at their stuff like, oh wow, they only said good and yeah, nice. <laughs> go back to your work and look at the people who gave you them four letter words. Those people wasn't feeling you like that. I'm serious. If you really felt the peace. Yeah, I never fall on the line. Look ah, at she is real petty. <laughs> you just bust everybody out. I hope I didn't put nice on your stuff. If I put nice on your stuff, y'all, I meant nice. Don't listen to what she's talking about. Don't listen to what her. Words. She ain't really feeling it. Keep it real. Keep it real, <laughs> Tuesday. Hello. Hold on. I got to see what this 585 call is real quick before we get up out of here. 585, you on the air? How you doing? This is a gift. Um, I'm a poet myself. I was just calling because I just came in at the very end. 
I heard a little bit of the um, the author talking. I mean, she has a very powerful message. Um, I just wanted to wish her blessing. Um, I definitely got to catch you all on one night, you know what I'm saying, uh, that you have like a open mic or whatever. Um, but that's Is your piece much, long? Because you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say spit your piece. Is it long? Because you got a minute, two minutes. Is it long? Um, I mean, I could do, yeah, I could do something for, you know what I'm saying, a little two minutes. Hit it and quit it. Okay. Uh, when I'm alone in the dark, I contemplate my feelings, my thoughts, my thoughts. A combination of the path I walk versus the lessons of being a man my father never taught. Longing to turn back the clock. When time feels like it's speeding up and it comes to a halt. This is when I get epiphanies of my own humanity. Frailties of life that leads to insanity. Noticing the vanity of death approaches. My previous actions felt like a suicide attempt. Diving into hopelessness. So I ask myself, is God real or just a bunch of hocus pocus? My focus sometimes distorted by my tragedy and horror. Like the sexual abuse I endured. She said it was a game, but man, it was shame to me. My grandma stuffing her titty down my throat at the age of three. Start seeing things differently. Twisted affections for her, I remember vividly. My nightmares is my reality. Adolescent casualties that haunt my fate. Got my mind running through red tape, trying to escape my future that my past dictates. So I meditate and reflect on thoughts heartfelt. Like how good my heart felt hold my kids when they were born. Only to remember the personal scorn as a familiar curse formed. I fell into deep waters. When the life I bought it for my son and my daughter made me a martyr for the cause of illegitimate fathers. Now lost in deep thought with a broken heart, I sought to understand life's lessons, only to realize life was like an unanswered question, and if you dwell in the past, the pain will keep manifesting. So I try to be a good dad and thank God for my blessings, leaving the darkness behind me. I now hide in the future so the past won't find me. Living a life of poetry is a right in my deepest thoughts. What do you think about when you're alone in the dark? Thank you. Definitely, right. lady. I want you back. You got to come back. I'm, man. Up. Wow. <laughs> oh, thank you. And the chat room loves it as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Is, this, is one of you guys, I'm sorry, because I just came in with the button. One of you guys, Beatrice? Say it again. One of you, Beatrice, I think Beatrice, the poetess? Yeah, I am. Okay, because you've heard, you've seen myself. I, I was talking to you the other day on Facebook. I wrote that piece, Harsh Reality, and you were telling me you liked it. It's about me losing my baby. Wait a oh, minute, now, did she put good or oh, nice? Because if she put yeah. nice, she wasn't feeling it. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway, the gift. Yeah. Oh, baby, I, yeah. I, day, I, I, I got, got Forty Slam Wednesday and all that and at Syracuse. You would tell me good luck and all that. I don't remember, but yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, we I, I, I got you. Back you. I know who you are. You gotta come back though. You can't. Do, you can't just stop by one night. So you gotta make sure you come back and bless us again, because you are definitely a blessing to the mic. No, no problem. I come back. You know, I got to catch y'all like on a Tuesday, or I, I only got to do a Fridays, whatever, open mic, whatever. Yeah, Friday yeah. open mic. Friday open mic. Yeah, it's funny on Tuesday, so you might not want to call on Tuesday. But just say whatever. I open. I open. I will open the lines for the gift. Shoot, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Keep it real. Keep it real, boo. 
Keep okay, it I will. I will open it live for him. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Have a good night. You too. Oh, Tommy, I guess that closes our show. Yes, it does. It's getting up out of And not be too up on Facebook. Good night, y'all. Don't we see me. y'all Friday for Open Mic Collaboration. We love you, Kitty Nebu. Good night.
gave me your love.